listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, and today I'm joined by Timothy, a.k.a. Tim Jones, founder of Techniques for Learning and Chief Visionary Officer for Hip Hop Ed. Tim, thanks for joining us. As always, how are you doing, Shawnee? I'm great. This is our third podcast of our four-part series, so we're, we're almost there. And for this one, we're going to be exploring the notion of curation. Just, just as a reminder, we're exploring all of our design principles for the New Pathways campaign. And um, the principles overall um, emphasize intentionality, equity, empowering learner curation, and purpose-driven approaches to create effective pathways for all learners. So I'm excited to talk about curation with you today. Yes. So, I mean, for me, uh, in thinking about curation, I think about it as a creation with a higher arc of logic and organization. Creation, in some ways, leaves room for improvisation and some randomness. And I mean that in a great way. But when I think of curation, it is that process of reflecting on either what you have created or you are reflecting on what you are observing to manipulate to then create a flow to it. So whether I'm curating an exhibit or I'm curating a playlist or I'm curating maybe the best samples of work that I've done over a semester to build a portfolio. Well, we're going to dive into all of that. And since you're already dropping bars, because that's exactly what it sounded like, um, let's let's first kick it off with a poem. Um, This is Something You Should Know by Clint Smith. Um, Is that as a kid, I once worked at a pet store. I cleaned the cages of small animals like turtles hamsters, rabbits, and hermit crabs. I watched the hermit crab continue to grow, molt, shed its skin, and scurry across the bottom of the aquarium to find a new shell, which left me afraid for the small creature, to run around all exposed that way, to have to live its entire life requiring something else to feel safe. Perhaps that is when I became afraid of needing anything beyond myself. Perhaps that is why, even now, I can want so desperately to show you all of my skin, but I'm more afraid of meeting you exposed in open water. What are your reflections? His reflection was amazing in the sense of being able to take what might have been a menial task in the moment that it was happening But then looking back at it and seeing how that task, although menial, was actually informing and inspiring a mindset that would carry him into his adult life and further adult life. So that's the first thing that came to me. But then also the ecosystem in the sense of shedding the skin but then needing something else to feel safe. And if we think about that from a school standpoint, that are we the shell that provides the safety or are we actually ripping off the skin 
of the young people before it's their natural time to shed and move forward. Because if you think about that animal, it doesn't shed the skin before it's time for new skin to come. But Tim, don't you think that that shedding of skin is where the curation happens? Because I think what that poem reminded me of, and, and of course, you know, I agree with all that you share, was that students or people try to present and package themselves in certain ways. So like the animals in the store, but when they're able to shed that skin and become who they have always been um, to be identically themselves, then that's when they're feeling most at home because now, because they are who they are and who they want to be, then they're able to really show up and curate experiences that are meaningful for them. Yes. And actually reflecting and looking where it says, I watched the hermit crab continue to grow molt, shed its skin, and scurry. So as you were saying that, I think that whole process is the curation. And it's successful when that young person is able to do all of those things and not have to skip certain steps to get to certain ones. That the shedding of the skin is coming after it's part of the growth process and then the molt and then scurry across the bottom of the aquarium to find a new shell. So is our learning providing the students the opportunity to scurry intellectually, to scurry creatively, to curate their own path to find the new shell? And are we determining, no, this is the shell you're supposed to go to, as opposed to the hermit crab just scurried and found a new shell? Maybe the crab chose that shell versus another shell that might have also been in that aquarium. So do we provide the space, going back to some of the conversations we had previously, that is this scurry that's taking place with intentionality? Is this scurry that's taking place equitable, which then allows them to show what they've curated through the process of their growing, molting, shedding, and then arriving at the new shell? Yeah, and this is just a good reminder of how powerful verbs can be. Because when you said watch, that really, just that word watch, truly resonated because when we are paying attention to students and when we're paying attention to their journey, to their discovery, to their curiosity, then we can partner with them to do that co-authoring. And so, and which then leads to excitement. And so I guess what I want to hear from you in your opinion, how do we then empower students to get excited about their learning so that they can then get excited about being in control of their learning journey? I think we get students excited about learning by helping them highlight the learning that they are intrinsically and instinctively already doing. I think when we present learning as something that can only happen in our space, 
that you're coming here to learn as opposed to you're coming here to maybe refine and investigate knowledge that you already have. That's a perfect segue to my next thought because you often talk about Soquarium. And so and so when you think about that's what what you were just saying reminds me of and just like in the African American and the Latino Latina community um, that that learner Senate learner center approach aligns to the familialism or the collectivism of, you know, just bringing everything together because curating our own experience is really just saying that we're taking control of our own narratives. You know, I'll give a, a contemporary hip hop example Uh, in November, 2023, November 9th to be exactly he celebrated the 30th anniversary of the release of 36 Chambers, which was Wu-Tang's debut album. And there hadn't been a group made up of nine MCs before that time. And when they talked about their creative process, we now can put the language of learner-centered learning as a framework to their creative process. Their creative process was that we wrote our verses together. We didn't go into the studio with the verses already written. We would share our verses with one another and then organically, in order of who's going to go on the songs, would come to fruition. I guess I'm wondering, like, how how do we effectively set that up? And and I I think kind of what you're referencing earlier about being curious, and so just allowing those learners to lean into, like, we all know that schools and teachers, of course, have different frameworks that they're utilizing, and you know, different thematic units and things of that nature, and those things can still exist, but then it's it's so important then for students to be able to curate. The, the the deliverable that happens and then like you said to share that out in a public space to then begin to build and feed you know amongst each other so that it's not you know the teacher handing down the the edict or what whatnot but truly the teacher is then shifting from teacher quote unquote to facilitator to co-author um, alongside the student What's coming to my mind as you're presenting that thought is how can we create the space where there is either a common or an agreed upon goal? That going back to that Wu-Tang example, although they had different paths, there was an agreed upon goal. We want to be able to create a different pathway for ourselves and our families. And so that held the group together when disagreements happened and friction and the like, because they saw this as this is the best opportunity that I see in me achieving that goal. Okay, maybe the stakes aren't the same height, but if we're bringing a group of learners together, what is the goal? Because when the goal is dictated as, oh, you just need this to graduate, I may not fully buy into that because I may then have questions about the value of even graduating. 
Right. And focus on the, the group versus the individual. And I, and I think that we probably both think I don't want to speak for you, but the goal is often bigger when it's connected to when it's very community focused, um, when they have like some stakes in what that looks like, because we know just from research that when students are graduating or they're leaving the public school system, a good majority of them are not going far from home. And, you know, that obviously some cities are different, than, but in most cities. And so when they are able to have an agreed upon goal that is very community focused and that is harnessed throughout their time in the K-12 system because they've been able to curate their own experiences and, like you said, kind of have skin in the game, then it does help to cement that there's something larger than I. And we often see that through uh, social entrepreneurship practices um, because we know that when kids do things that matter, you know, then, then the learning becomes important. And so when, when we're curating those, even social entrepreneurship practices, um, how does that give students a sense of something bigger than themselves? I think what you just said, you you knocked it out the park. This notion, no, no, because this notion of of community. So really, and sometimes I think people will think, oh, that sounds good, is cliche because it feels like it's right in front of your face, but it really takes a lot of work to be intentional about it. So, okay, if we have a community that has that elementary school, has that middle school, has that high school, and maybe has a community college and a university. Let's act like we're, we're old enough to remember the Sims game where you can create your town. If every activity, every learning opportunity that took place in that K through 12 school, if it had a clear path that the students could identify, we are studying this to improve our community blank. We are studying this to address this particular social problem so that our community can be better at blank and whatever that is. But if that really was the drumbeat, so then if I am the teacher and I'm putting together my lesson, how does this improve the community? Yeah, no. And when you referenced the teachers, my instant thought was, this is different. Like this community-based, community-minded. And um, on the Sharif podcast, we were also having this conversation around just like being community-focused and what teachers need to know and to in order to like pivot into that space. And, you know, more and more teacher programs are obviously understanding this concept and beginning to pivot. But we have to prepare this next generation or even the generation of now, I guess, to really focus on creating these experiences from moving from being the teacher to the facilitator to making sure the students have voice and agency and trust. How do we how do we help get to that point so that there is a comfort? Teacher development programs have to have whether we want to use the language of capstone, there has to be intentional work in the community. They have to present themselves first and foremost to become students of the community. Who are the scholars 
in the community. And I'm and I'm choosing my words intentionally, not teachers, because then we get trapped in profession. Uh, we were having a conversation on Hip Hop Ed where we were dreaming about uh, hip hop education and film. And I posed the question, and if all of the listeners remember Boys in the Hood, that what, how different could some of those boys' lives been if Furious Styles was a teacher and if the knowledge that he was dropping about what happens in the community was not being spoken on an abandoned lot, but was actually in a classroom, meaning that the curriculum was in line with what was happening in the community at that time. I mean, that has long-term implications. You know, generations then become changed because by carrying a history forward, students are continually seeing what's possible and feel more empowered to, like we were saying, really take control of their journey, of their, of their um, education. And, and it would make that educator be culturally responsive without having to think, am I operating in culturally responsive pedagogy? It would just naturally flow because you would find elements of your own self in the community that you've then immersed yourself in. Yeah. And, and we've seen it and I'm sure you have, and I'll give you opportunity a second to even give examples, but we've seen what happens when students get excited about learning that they really had a voice in and like those experiences matter and they, and students never forget it. And then they feel confident enough to continue to do that. And then the ones behind them are seeing it as well. Um, what have you seen in terms of like what happens when students and you can give specific examples of students that have curated their own journey and the results of that? I would say just using Science Genius as an example, uh, which is an initiative that was created by Hip Hop Ed with, with, with Chris Emden and to watch students who may have never cared about science, didn't see themselves as being very scientific, begin to grapple with this content, but being able to give it out either via rhyme or spoken word and watch the change in their attitude about themselves. I've I've really enjoyed this conversation. And in the second, I'm actually going to have you curate some bars based on our conversation, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> I just want to leave. I just want to leave with this thought before I let you do what you do. Is that um, when you're curating, what you're really doing is you're creating a space for students where they can authentically be represented and have their experiences validated and celebrated. And and that's that's the real value. So as we talk about curation and we close out, give us some bars, Tim. The name of this podcast is called Getting Smart. So I get smart every time I get to play with my art and do my part, and I can take these words and put them together. And so I'm going to curate some sentences that then you can paragraph and draw on your X and Y axis. Some people will think this has to be written or he's just a master at his practice. I didn't take the praxis 
but you can examine my lyrical content as I touch on all of the continents. So I represent the earth as it spins on a different axis. As we begin to rotate or revolve or evolve, I continually will confuse those who thought that they was wise in their own eyes because like that starship, I will enter into your prize and I'm just going to take up a rental space and park this verse because we're speaking life. So we're not talking about children being inside of a hearse, but we can put some curriculum six feet deep. So my sixth graders can step up and leap and realize not only can they read on that 12th grade, but they can critically evaluate the world that's around them. And they walk around like that Scarface album called the fix But the reality is the solution is there. And too many times through adultist eyes, we continually miss. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, mason at gettingsmart.com and if you like what you're hearing don't forget to leave a review in apple podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag gs podcasts thanks so much 